Hey, this is a brand new business podcast called Repeat Customer. I'm going to tell you all about it, but first, you have to listen to this song written by a, well, written by a pretty serious repeat customer. I'm a Denver native, I was born and raised right here. But I've lived around the country too, from the west coast to the east. And there's just one thing we're missing here, so let me say my piece. Hi, my name is Julie Geller. But we still don't have folks selling food in Hawaiian shirts. I'm a singer-songwriter and super fan of Trader Joe's. Such a big super fan that I wrote my own song and music video entitled I'm Camping Out at Trader Joe's. At Trader Joe's. Waiting for the day the stores will finally open because I love it so can't wait no more. A few years ago, when Julie found out Trader Joe's was coming to her hometown of Denver, Colorado, she went a little nuts. There was this song and a video, and she performed a live concert across the street. Trader Joe's themed concert, and it was just like just a party. It was just really, really fun. Did people think you were a bit crazy? Um, yeah, but that never stopped me before. Anybody who had lived in a town that had Trader Joe's and then moved to Denver, like we all were in on the secret. And my friends who had never lived there, they're like, we don't get it. Like, How can we be excited about a grocery store? And that's a good question because Trader Joe's is a grocery store. Buying groceries is not supposed to be fun. Well, not according to Julie. Yeah, yeah. So the vibe there is definitely unique. First of all, everybody who works there is wearing their Hawaiian shirts. And they instead of like the speaker like, we need cleanup at aisle three, they've got these bells up front that they ring. So it's like super kind of old school and simple. Um, maybe because it's Colorado, my neighborhood one has like a tent set up and pictures of like wildlife on the walls. And there's always a stuffed animal in mine that they hide for the kids. So make it fun. It's just a little more friendly, I would say. Welcome to Repeat Customer, an original podcast from Zendesk about amazing customer experiences, how companies create them, and why their super fans love them so much. My name is Mio Edelman. Sometimes I'm a repeat customer. Wow, that's very good. And sometimes I'm a really cranky customer, like the worst. That's terrible. That's terrible. I know what I like and what I don't like, but here's the thing. I don't always know why. On this show, I'm going to break it down and figure out why some businesses create awesome customer experiences while others totally fail. Because that's what Zendesk is all about. They're a customer service and engagement platform, and they are, you could say, kind of obsessed with what goes into great customer experience. So we're going to start with Trader Joe's because they've taken this really mundane thing we all do called grocery shopping and turned it into a customer experience that excites people. Like Julie wrote a song about the place. But that level of fandom isn't even that unusual for Trader Joe's. So what's their secret? And believe me, it is a secret that the company doesn't want to share. The first Trader Joe's opened in 1967 in California, started by a guy named Joe Colomb. He was inspired by the Tiki Hut craze of the 50s and 60s, which explains why the employees wear Hawaiian shirts. Joe also saw that more Americans were vacationing abroad and returning with food and wine from their travels, stuff they couldn't get at home, which explains the idea of a trader, Trader Joe, on the high seas searching for exotic foods. 
Except in this case, the trader brings his bounty back to sell in a store on what is usually a freeway of some kind. Anyway, in 1979, a German company bought the small chain of stores from Joe, then expanded it to almost 500 stores in the 90s and 2000s. But somehow, their stores retain a homey neighborhood feel. I actually thought it was a small local company. You don't see like big national brand advertising coming from these guys. But I started to pay a little more attention and and eventually I realized like, wow, it's actually not a small company. The more I dug into it though, the more I would run into this kind of barrier. And the barrier is that the company itself is very secretive. That's Mark Gardner. He runs a marketing company called Revolutionary Old Idea, and he writes books about business. And I know what he's talking about, about them being secretive, because Trader Joe's refused to talk to me. They don't talk to anyone. So luckily, I found Mark. Years ago, he went to a Trader Joe's in California and became fascinated by its success. And he was like, I got to know how this works, which led to a sort of crazy story you're going to hear in a minute. But first, let's review what we do know about the grocery chain. Okay, first of all, the stores are all super busy. That store was crowded all the time. The parking lot was a zoo all the time. And 80% of the things you can buy at Trader Joe's are sold under Trader Joe's own label for a good price. And some of them are quite unique. People love the Trader Joe's cookie butter. It's like ground up sugar cookies that you'd sort of treat like peanut butter if you weren't worried about your glycemic index. Cookies ground up into a cookie butter is just weird and maybe really tasty, but sadly, you can't live on just cookie butter. So Trader Joe's also has all of the regular grocery stuff. But here's what Mark thought of that stuff. I'd look at the food and I'd look at the wine, I'd look at the produce, and I'm like, I don't understand why this place is so popular. I mean, it's not bad. The value is pretty good, but it doesn't justify the sort of cult-like way that people sort of like adored the brand. So what is it? Why do people freak out for Trader Joe's? The profound experience that people have shopping at Trader Joe's, almost everyone talks about the staff. It's the defining difference between Trader Joe's and so many other stores. They're super friendly and like, it's always, hi, how are you doing? Where have you been? Oh, you had this happen. Like our one employee that we talked to all the time knew we were celebrating. And so she went to the flower department and gave us a bouquet of flowers. That's Sandy Shelley. She and her family live in Pittsburgh, and we're going to hear more from them in a bit. But the interesting thing is that Sandy's customer experience of Trader Joe's in Pittsburgh is almost word for word the same as Julie's in Denver. In every Trader Joe's, you'll find the same impossibly cheerful, chatty, Hawaiian shirt-wearing employees. All of them really stoked to help you buy groceries. I have always felt that the experience that customers have with the frontline retail staff is really very, very powerful in terms of how the brand works. So this is the first lesson, and it doesn't seem like rocket science. Good customer service. We all want it, but how does a company with 500 stores achieve it across the board? And how do they do it in a way that's authentic? As someone who had worked in retail marketing for years, Mark couldn't figure it out, but he had to know. And I thought, you know, I'm going to just apply for a job. I filled out an application for a $12 an hour job in which I said, 
you know, my past experience includes being a vice president of marketing of a $200 million retail chain. I'm the author of five books. And uh, they hired me. Despite his hugely overqualified resume, Trader Joe's hired Mark to bag groceries, operate the cash, and stock shelves at one of their new stores in Kansas City. And we had 10 days of training, which is really pretty shocking considering that you're, you know, a bunch of $12 an hour employees in a grocery store. But at the very beginning of that, I had like this profound experience that made me realize like, wow, this is different. It starts with everyone introducing themselves. Now, we've all heard these stories about how people fear public speaking more than death. Mm -hmm. Okay, but in that group of 50 people, all the hands went up. It was like, pick me, pick me. I can't wait to tell you about me. The next really profound thing that happened after realizing like, wow, these people are really not a random group of people. These people are all naturally empathetic. They want to listen to other people talking about themselves. They want to have conversations with other people. Talkative people who are also good at listening. This sounds like a job description for a therapist, not a grocery attendant. Same for the training. They're doing like all this like kind of like very social kind of role-playing, fun kind of role-playing stuff where one person is a, is a crew member and the other person's going to pretend to be a shopper and that person's going to pick up a bag of, of uh, dog food and put it in their cart. And the crew member will say like, oh, look, you've got dog food. What kind of dog do you have? Let me show you a picture of my dog, right? And I'm, I'm watching all this and thinking, well, all this is fun, but you guys know I don't know how to operate a cash register, right? What? What they do is they hire for attitude, and that's really important to the company. And then they kind of barely train for aptitude. Hmm. Hire for attitude, train for aptitude. And then what? The next thing that they do is they actually go to a lot of trouble to maximize encounters between the staff and customers by doing things like stocking the shelves at peak times in the store. Most grocery stores stock the shelves when the store is closed. But at Trader Joe's, you actually want those encounters. So the the cliche in the training was you should have your head on a swivel. And if a customer looks like they can't find something, you should ask them if you can help them. If the customer just makes eye contact, you should say hello to them. Maximize customer encounters with a carefully selected group of highly social happy people. It's like going to a cocktail party, except you're pushing a shopping cart. And that's scary because you're going to empower your lowest level employees Mm -hmm. to do that stuff. You have to trust them. But the thing is, here's why it shouldn't be as scary. You are already empowering your lowest level employees to hurt your brand. You're going to have a great product. You're going to have a great price. You're going to have a fantastic store. And if the employee that your customer deals with is surly or bad-tempered or rude, your brand is going to be ruined. So you're already empowering your employees to hurt your brand, so why not empower them to help it? So that's what Mark Gardner did for a year working at Trader Joe's, and then he decided to share what he had learned. I wrote a book called Build a Brand Like Trader Joe's. Mark's going to reveal more of what he learned behind the scenes at Trader Joe's, but let's talk about this customer service thing for a moment. 
Because these days, Trader Joe's isn't the only company with a reputation for great staff doing great customer service. You know, I'm thinking about Southwest Airlines, Ace Hardware, Apple, and the word empathy gets used a lot when talking about the customer experience. I mean, this is a fascinating inside look at Trader Joe's hiring and training process, but there's more to Trader Joe's than just its frontline staff. There's much more you might not see, or rather you might see it but not understand how it affects the rest of your shopping experience. In order to understand this less obvious piece, let's go back in time to the rise of the modern grocery store. We were kind of living in an era when the newfangled idea was the supermarket, and we take for granted that word supermarket, but that was a pretty big innovation at the time. That's Kevin Kelly. He runs Shook Kelly. Shook Kelly is a strategy and design firm. Among other things, Kevin studies supermarkets. You might have known about people like this, but I did not. It's when grocery stores went from little tiny Main Street stores to more suburban models and started offering a lot more products. There was kind of a, a magic number we use, which is 36.9. And that 36.9 meant a lot of grocery stores were around 36,900 square feet. A lot of people liked that size, and that was considered big, uh, starting to hit late 80s, early 90s. But then that already changing supermarket experience started to change even more. And they went from there to 50 to 60 to 70 to 100,000 square feet. I think everybody was chasing market, and they were trying to grow. And one of the ways they could grow is to offer more and they started getting as big to offer plastic swimming pools and patio furniture, and there was almost no limit to that. From a customer experience perspective, uh, you know, my initial thought is, well, that's great because you only have to go to one place. Yeah, there's kind of a wide variety of issues for both customers and the, the industry, but the biggest one for a customer was um, our bandwidth mentally and biologically and emotionally. And what was happening was we could only absorb so much shopping before we wore out. You'll see all of that shut down at what we call the front end of stores, the checkout. You'll see good, sainted people get upset about somebody in front of them not closing the gap. Or the cashier leaves the register and people just throw up their arms. I believe you're describing me at Ikea every single time I go there. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Supermarkets thought they were providing their customers with the ultimate experience. Trader Joe's had other ideas. Trader Joe's doesn't jump on the bandwagon and go up. They start to think, hey, there's something to this getting small. They started locating across the street from big giant battleships, which was what we kind of call the parasite on the whale. And they picked the site that nobody wanted because it wasn't big enough for anything except a gas station or a flower shop and they built these little no-frills, all-shucks kind of little locations. They have wood paneling on the stores, handwritten signs, um, Hawaiian shirts untucked, which is a big no-no in the 90s. And this happens subconsciously in your mind too. Oftentimes, as you look at both stores, you literally see the big store on the left and the small store on the right, and you go, I think I'll go there. Maybe we were subconsciously reminded of that older customer experience of shopping at our neighborhood grocery stores. Another kind of thing that the mainstream industry missed was their attempt at being good to customers is just doing whatever the customer says. So every time a customer comes into a traditional grocery store, particularly in the 90s, and said, I don't understand why you don't have these olives or these pickles, they go, we'll get it for you. 
and didn't take long, a couple of years, you'd have 60, 70 olives or 100 different pickles, which reaches that paradox of choice. And this is a key point, the paradox of choice. It gets to this whole um, notion of the tyranny of choice. Or the tyranny of choice, as Mark Gardner puts it. Paradox, tyranny. I I can't choose. People think they want a lot of choices. And then if people go and shop in a smaller store with a much smaller product selection, they don't necessarily even know why they like that more, but it's less stressful. Um, The typical supermarket would have 40 to 50,000 SKUs, stock keeping units. Mm -hmm. Um, A Trader Joe's store would typically have about 4,000, so only about 10% of the total number of products. Mm -hmm. And in Trader Joe's, almost everything is labeled Trader Joe's. And this is another key point. Really what the customer wanted, they just want you to tell them what is the best pickle. And what's great about going into Trader Joe's is they're very clear about we as the expert have curated around the mythology of the trader and the sailor. They've, they give you this impression that works, that we've scoured the earth and we have picked the best olives for you or the best pickles for you. So unlike in most large supermarkets where the less expensive private label products are seen as inferior, the very affordable Trader Joe's brands are perceived as curated, special. If you love the store, it changes the way it tastes. We're not completely rational animals, right? People love two-buck chuck, you know? I mean, I really, as a, as a wine drinker, I could rest my case right there. One two-buck chuck while you're in love. In case you haven't heard of this before, two-buck chuck is a $2 bottle of wine. No comment. But this psychology was perfect for a whole set of middle-class customers who wanted a distinct supermarket experience with some novelty products and also some healthy choices. The thing that was happening in our landscape, particularly in the early 90s, was we started to have the rise of healthy stores. I thought it was interesting that as Trader Joe's emerged, so did Whole Foods. And like Whole Foods, Trader Joe's offers a lot of organic and alternative diet options, but they offer totally different experiences. And so there are a lot of very intelligent, socially, culturally aware consumers that just couldn't stomach the cost of Whole Foods. And Whole Foods continued to expand. Stores got bigger, shelves got fuller, just like the big supermarket chains. But Trader Joe's has very carefully kept small. So if they're going to introduce a new product, then something else is going to leave. Customers have their product that they love, and then one day they walk into the store and they just say, well, it was canceled. Sorry, you're never going to get that again. What is so profound about Trader Joe's and an unbelievable discipline is they let go of markets every day. Um, And so that letting go is a discipline that I rarely see in other grocery stores. And actually, frankly, I rarely see it in retail. But there's an upside to this ruthless product count. You could call it the paradox of less choice. Followed by soft-baked snickerdoodles, creamy blueberry vanilla chevre, blintzes and hummus for the whole chevre. Wash it all down with some soy milk extra. And so they started stocking their stores with these great little finds, and they started developing a customer that actually enjoyed the hunt. How do I get to do an adventure with my food? How can I go out there and try different things? Uh, Trader Joe's was one of the first kind of traditional grocery stores out there that offer Filipino beer. You know, and a lot of Americans hadn't tried Filipino beer. 
they're constantly rotating those items and constantly moving things around to give you this sense that there's a lot of variety and give you kind of a cultural currency with your friends. You know how cool it is to go to a party and go, have you ever tried this Filipino beer? Okay, so less olives means more room to try out new stuff. That Trader Joe on the high seas can bring back Filipino beer and his customers get more of an adventure. How's it going? Yeah, good. How are you? Nice Very to good, see you. Well, yeah, yeah. Welcome to Pittsburgh. Thank you very much. It's beautiful. Uh, let me see here. It's hard to remember everything you eat, man. One of the things that I really liked was they had a Trader Joe's yellow jackfruit curry with, with jasmine rice, which was actually really fantastic. The sauce was really good. It was a good, like, example of Trader Joe's kind of, like, introducing something to, to people who might not be too familiar with it. Would you call yourself a super fan? Um, I think that that would be a fair assessment. I've traveled to Pittsburgh to visit Russ Shelley and his partner, Sandy, the woman you heard at the beginning of the show, because they aren't your average superfans. Like Julie, that woman who wrote the song about Trader Joe's, Russ is a very vocal fan. I'm one of the co-writers for a blog called What's Good at Trader Joe's.com. What's Good at Trader Joe's.com is a review site that we just try to review all the different items that you can come across at a Trader Joe's visit. So it's fun. How many Trader Joe's items have you reviewed? Let's see. The blog's been going on for seven and a half years or so at this point, and we have reviewed over 1,100 unique items. 1,100 Trader Joe's products. I mean, come on. This is just a hobby for Russ. But at last count, Russ's blog was getting 150,000 views a month. Trader Joe's doesn't need to advertise thanks to that action. And I mean, there's countless fan pages on Facebook and Instagram. A lot of times we get the, ooh, hey, this looks good. Or, you know, when we post on Facebook, somebody tags, like, whoever on it, one of their good friends, like, oh, hey, we got to try this out. Every once in a while, when we give something like a lukewarm or a negative review, we get a, what the heck were you guys thinking? This is awesome. You know, obviously you guys are morons. So I haven't come to Pittsburgh to just listen to Russ talk about his blog. We could have done that on the phone. I've come here because I have my own Trader Joe's secret. So... This might sound crazy to you, uh, but I've I've never been to a Trader Joe's. I think you've been missing out, man. We gotta go. Yeah, there's no Trader Joe's where I live. I mean, I know many people who've been, and they tell me they love it. But now, after hearing Mark and Kevin describe exactly how Trader Joe's actually transformed the supermarket customer experience, I have to see it for myself. Because there's still a part of me that's like, come on, guys, this is just groceries. So I hop in Russ and Sandy's car. So when, when's the next time you're reviewing something? Uh, we need to need to uh, write a review for tonight. Definitely going to be looking for the um, uh, the new uh, blueberry lavender almond beverage. I think that's going to be our target. Okay, I got the cart. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, welcome to Trader Joe's. This is a very small store. It is. Yeah. This is way smaller than I thought. What's that bell? Somebody just rang a bell. Yeah, they they have bells here instead of intercoms to uh, to signal employees for, for different needs. There's one, two... For this show, I talked to people across the country about their own local Trader Joe's. So I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. But what I found was everything as it had been described in every location. Small store, which still seemed really spacious. Friendly, helpful staff. 
tasty sample station, no questions asked return policy, Trader Joe's this, Trader Joe's that. It was nice. Like, everyone seemed really relaxed. And even though I knew there were only like 10% of the amount of things in a regular supermarket, there seemed to be everything I would need. I wasn't missing the 60 different kinds of olives. And despite the low product count, there was a bunch of stuff I've never seen before. What are the shooting stars? It's a Pop Rocks on a cookie. Yes. I'm sort of surprised by all of the sweet stuff. Basically, chocolate covered everything. I mean, cookie butters of all kinds. Cookie, yeah, cookie and cocoa swirl right. cookie butter. You know, before this came around, I would actually get Nutella and cookie butter and mix them together. Are two you serious? Two, two of them, one jar. I'm just along for the ride, but the Shelleys are actually grocery shopping. They're also looking for new stuff to review. You were looking for the lavender blueberry right. almond milk. They don't have it yet. Okay, so uh, I'm in the parking lot of the Trader Joe's. I'm a little embarrassed because what I have in my bag is not a, a great representation of what I typically eat. I've got ghost pepper potato chips. Mm -hmm. I have snickerdoodles. And I have speculos, which are these Belgian ginger cookies. Oh, and I've got the Jojo's, which are uh, Trader Joe's uh, version of Oreos. Right, yeah. You were looking for something to review. We picked up uh, some, some, what is it, peach bellini jam? You got the peach bellini jam, which yeah. actually has Prosecco in it. We're about to have some fun now, huh? <laughs> Thank you very much, guys, for showing me around Trader Joe's. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. Yeah. It was really nice to meet you and, and to do this. I don't normally go to a grocery store the first time I've, I've met somebody. Okay, well, you know, I, usually we wait till at least the second time ourselves. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> So I leave the Shelleys in the Trader Joe's parking lot. Their shopping bag is full of healthy veggies, cheese, and snacks. And mine, well, mine is full of just a bunch of sweet packaged baked goods. But hey, what are you going to do? As I walk away, I wonder about a growing new customer experience when it comes to grocery shopping. With Amazon's purchase of Whole Foods, delivery means you don't have to even go to the supermarket anymore. But Mark Gardner thinks Trader Joe's is going to be okay. Amongst grocery stores, Trader Joe's is probably extremely well positioned to preserve its share because there are this group of customers who think it's fun to go there. So I'm just gonna sit here until they open up. So fun that they're even willing to sing about buying groceries. And I kind of get it now. She's camping out at Trader Joe's, at Trader Joe's. Wait for the day these stores will finally open because I love it, so can't wait no more. Let me in the door. Got some money in my pocket, gonna buy out all the chocolate, waiting for me in that store. Okay, you've been listening to Repeat Customer by Zendesk, a show about how customer-focused companies create great customer experiences. We post a new episode every two weeks. And if you're looking to elevate your company's customer service game, check out Zendesk.com, because the best customer experiences are built on Zendesk. And you can learn more about this podcast at Zendesk.com slash repeat customer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.